0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. So compelling. Uh, Professor Robert Thompson joins us, founding director of the Blyer Center for Television and Popular Culture at Syracuse University. Uh, Really the go-to person on pop culture, I think, anywhere in the world. Bob, when you listen to Sean Connery's voice, those movies come to life. Just listening to those little clips.
1: Yeah, uh, right. Uh, uh, Sean Connery movies make good radio, and uh, of course, that's thanks to his voice, because that's really all that's left uh, uh, when you take away the uh, uh, the visual stuff. And it's it's so hard. It, it's really a complicated career. I mean, of course, you've got those uh, uh, seven Bond films, which clearly are his uh, legacy, no question about it. But it then makes us forget all that other stuff that he uh, uh, did as well, working with Hitchcock on Marnie and uh, uh, as uh, Indiana Jones's dad and uh, uh, A Bridge Too Far. Even if you took away those Bond films, which would be taking away the thing he's most well known for, it'd still be a pretty important body of work and his oscar would still be left even without the bond film
0: and he was a very political individual he was a scottish national and very proud of that nationalist
1: right yes yes he uh, uh yes he was and uh not not a, anybody to mince words as well when he finally retired uh his uh, opinions of what uh uh he thought movies had had become uh, were not terribly positive and he wasn't afraid to talk about it
0: you know, I remember talking to uh, young women who were in their, I guess, in their mid-20s, late-20s, when Sean Connery was in his 80s, and they still thought he was a really good-looking man, and, and he had this compelling, I, I, he just, he connected with everybody, he connected with guys, he connected with women, he had this ability to do that, but what will his lasting legacy on pop culture be?
1: Well, first of all, what you pointed out, I think is true. Uh, He was named uh, People magazine's uh, Sexiest Man Alive in 1989, which means he would have been almost 60 at that point. And then I think they named him Sexiest Man of the, what is it, century, uh, about 10 years um, uh, after that. So he certainly uh, had that. At the same time, if you go back and watch some of those Bond films, uh, you know, we remember those a certain way, and if you haven't seen them for a long, t- long time, there's a couple of uh, things happen every now and again that make you think, wow, if he did that today, he'd be uh, uh, reported to the Human Resources Office uh, uh, kind of thing. Um, but as far as his legacy, no question about it. Uh, Those Bond films, I mean, they not only uh, became, that series became a classic, but his uh, being cast for the first uh, Bond film even impacted how the author of uh, uh, the Bond books thought about the character and uh, his origins and all of that uh, uh, kind of thing. So that's clearly uh, the biggest thing. Now, if you're a little younger, however, we can't finish this conversation without talking about Daryl Hammond, Uh, portraying him on Celebrity Jeopardy in those sketches on Saturday Night Live. Um, Those, I think, introduced Sean Connery to a whole new generation of people, uh, uh, many of whom can't watch uh, Sean Connery on on a movie without thinking back to that parody.
0: Yeah. Uh, My favorite, uh, not that it matters, but my favorite Bond film wasn't a Bond film. It was The Hunt for Red October.
1: Yeah oh yes that, he was very very uh, uh
0: the, the Soviet I mean, submarine was also command not
1: a bond film was probably uh, uh Marnie that I mentioned before but yeah. uh yeah no there's a there's a powerful body of work I remember and I saw this many years after it was made but uh uh encountering him as Macbeth when he was still working uh, for television uh in a production made back in 19 19- 61, I I believe it was, and uh, he he was one of my favorite Macbeths, and I've seen dozens of them.
0: Didn't he also get into a bit of a scuffle, or wasn't Cubby Broccoli very unhappy with him over a one Bond movie that he decided to make?
1: Yeah, I think there was uh, uh, lots of intrigue, both uh, on the screen and off the screen. I don't know a whole lot of the details uh, about that, however.
0: Well, if the of all the uh, of all the movies, the Bond movies, Bob, which one would you uh, want to watch today?
1: Well, I don't know. It, that's a hard thing, to, and so much the the question of what's your who's your favorite Bond. I think also often depends upon who you saw first in uh, 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 in um,
0: George you know, with,
1: Lazenby, <laughs> James Bond, when you saw it for the first time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I uh, I liked Diamonds Are Forever, a later one that he did. That was yeah. seventy one, I think. Um, Goldfinger, maybe sixty four. I don't know. How would you answer that question? That's I
0: would a, go. I would. I, I would watch Doctor No, and and only because I mean I was a a kid just uh, sort of scrambling into into high school when that came out and uh i just i just love that movie it was great because it, it was the first one it was like watching it Clint eastwood the in the good one? the bad yeah. and the ugly right yeah that's right it's so the first one
1: i remember uh, what was it uh tbs uh, uh the turner cable station uh would occasionally play uh all of them in a row and i've i've sat through the uh the whole Bond oeuvre several times, although I've, I don't think they had rights to every single one of them. And um, that was long before the age of binging, but I think Bond movies are actually really appropriate for binges, even going you know from actor to uh, actor yeah. as they go along. But again, there's a lot of stuff now that uh, I think we see as... Uh, they, they really are museum pieces, culturally, in a lot of ways. Right.
0: If you want to hear more...